This is Brian. And this is Curtis. And we're the Game Night Guys. Each week, we give new life to some classic games and introduce you to new ones. But you'll have to wait your turn. And this week, we are playing Malarkey. And we have a special guest. Meredith is here. Yay! Yay! Yay. Top of the morning, Pooja. <laughs> this is Meredith's third time on the show. Wow. It's our first time meeting. She's like our new Alec Baldwin. <laughs> oh, we need one of those. Sorry, I gotta go play Words with Friends now. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith, welcome back. Oh, thank you. It's really, really good to be back. This is the third time you've been here. You were here when we played left, center, right. Mm-hmm. And didn't you win? No, Mike no. Mike won. Yeah, Mike won. And then you were here for the uh, birthday game. Yes. And I tied. I was tied, a tie. Which is fitting. Yes. It should have been a tie. So welcome back. Thank What's you. New? We have talked about um, in the birthday episode. We talked about Brian not liking my boyfriend. No, that's not entirely <laughs> true. Uh, oh, okay. It's not that I didn't like him. Oh, you know, we have we have the recording. We can listen okay, to it. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, that boyfriend is now my fiance. Yes, so he did good. Yay, he did. Good. And you got you got engaged in Ecuador. I did. And yep, at the foot of a volcano while sitting in some natural hot springs. Wow, that sounds Ooh. earthy. Yeah. <laughs> and warm. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> sweaty. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, okay. I don't know if you can tell. I have a little bit of a cold or yeah. allergies or something. But you know what's funny? I use a service called TimeHop, and you sign up and you connect your like Instagram and your uh twitter and your facebook and foursquare and every day i get an email that tells me what i did one year ago and one year ago i complained about having a cold and sneezing all the time so i think this is like my (laughs) annual occurrence of this isn't that weird that is weird well it's nice to know you're consistent in your colds and your complaining my my congestion (laughs) and my complaining yes very good so what are we playing today curtis well this is a game called malarkey and it's based on the imponderables series of books by author david feldman and what are those uh, there are a series of books, like things you never think of the, you know, asking like, you know, I don't, I can't think of one right now, of course. Like why are tennis balls fuzzy? That's the one on the cover of the box. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a very good example to use. Like, like just weird little things about like trivia about common things mm-hmm. that you never really think about. Yes. So we're going to play this game about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so basically, like any other game, the object is to score more points than your opponents. And you score points in two different ways, uh, either by presenting an answer that's so convincing you get other players to vote for you, or to see through all the bluffs and vote for the correct answer. So each player has one black chip, one concealing folder, then chooses a chip other than black to represent him or herself. Each player takes as many of these color chips as there are players in the game. For example, if you choose red, there are four players in the game, you would take four red chips. So we have a purple chip, green chips, orange chips, and then we each have a black chip. So I am the purple. You're purple. So I'm putting the purple down so everybody knows I am purple. And Meredith has put down her green chip, and I am orange. I wanted to be green, but I was being nice to Meredith, and I let her be green. Well, she is the guest. She is the exactly. guest. <laughs> and I was telling Curtis that as a guest, you should also let me win. Oh, <laughs> Throwing that out there. We'll have to see about that we one. We will see. 
All right. So <laughs> all the players, which we just did, put the colored chips in front of them. Then each player hands one of his or her colored chips to every other player. So when you're done, each player has a black chip and then one of the colored chip from every other player and one of your own colored chips in front of you. Okay, so we're going to take the bluff cards from out of the end of the card box. Which we've done. And they are numbered uh, 315 to 320. And we place one in each concealing folder, answer side up, but leave one concealing folder empty. This single empty concealing folder will hold the real answer during play. Any remaining bluff cards can be put away. So we have already done that. We have these little folders. They say malarkey on them. And one size is question, one size is answer. Mm -hmm. Players will determine who the host for the first round will be. I nominate Curtis. I second that nomination. (laughs) I veto it. As every player will host the same number of times, there's no disadvantage or advantage to hosting first. The host rolls the die and picks a malarkey card from the draw end of the card box. Malarkey cards have three imponderable questions on one side and their corresponding answer on the other. The host reads aloud the imponderable question corresponding to the number rolled, one, two, or three. The host must take care not to reveal the answer on the back of the card to any player, even him or herself. Part of the fun of malarkey is that no one knows who will end up holding the correct answer. The host will then read the imponderable question aloud a second time to make sure that the question is understood by everyone. If any player does not understand the question, this is the time to speak up. At this point, all players should begin to think of possible bluff answers to the question. The host opens the empty concealing folder from the question side of the folder and carefully slides the malarkey card question side up into the slot provided. The concealing folders are then passed to the players to the left for the host for reshuffling. Next, each player picks a concealing folder from the host. All players open their concealing folders from the answer side and carefully check the numbered answer, one, two, or three, corresponding to the question asked at the start of the round. One player will be holding the real answer and all others will be holding bluff cards. The bluff cards have instructions informing the player holding them to think up a believable bluff answer. The players with the bluff cards are getting ready to present bluff answers to the imponderable question that has been read. Meanwhile, the player with the real answer is thinking about how to best put the answer into his or her own words. Yeah, and that's really kind of key. You want to do that so people can't tell that you're right. just reading right off the you're card. You're kind of you're bluffing mm-hmm. that you have the right answer. Yeah, even acting like, oh, yeah. uh, well. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like acting like you're unsure of yourself. Or trying to think something up when you have the whole answer in front of you the right. whole time. Rather than just reading it straight off. Yeah, that gives you right away. <laughs> Especially when you call out dates. Yeah, 1942. In, yeah, April 12th, 1960. <laughs> so after an agreed amount of time, the host calls for everyone to close their folders. The host then offers his or her answer. Play continues in a clockwise direction as all the bluffs and the correct answer are presented. Now, the next part is very important. Yes. So much that it's in bold capital letters. Yes. Repeat answers are not allowed. If someone uses the answer you thought of, you must present another answer before your turn comes. It's a good idea to have a backup bluff ready, or maybe two. A player is allowed to vary his or her answer slightly from one already presented. By altering one clear fact, for example, a player differentiates his or her answer. If anyone feels that a player has essentially repeated the answer of another player, he or she may challenge the second player, and all the other players vote whether the second answer is too similar. In the case of a vote, the host breaks the tie. If the second answerer is judged guilty... He or she is disqualified from participating in that question. You get nothing. Guilty. Guilty. It's like in Superman yes. 2 when they're like banishing them all. Guilty. 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 I love that. 
If you are holding the real answer, you must familiarize yourself with it and put it into your own words. You will not have the opportunity to just simply read it aloud. And this next part is also important. It's also Noted in bold, in bold <laughs> capital letters. It is possible that when you have been given the concealing folder with the real answer, another player may offer the real answer before it is your turn to speak. When it is your turn, you must now present a bluff. This ensures that there are no repeat answers. Presenting a bluff answer because you were forced it to is called a malarkey. Although being forced into a malarkey involves quick thinking, you'll be rewarded if you are successful. More about this later. Then the new host directs each round with play passing clockwise. There we go. Here's how you vote. After all the answers are presented, players vote secretly for the player they feel presented the real answer. Players vote by taking the colored chip that represents the player they are voting for and putting it in their closed fist in the center of the table. When all the players' fists are on the table, all players open their hands and reveal their votes. And it's very dramatic. It is. Dun, dun, dun. It's like dramatic chipmunk or what is that thing? Hedgehog? Yeah, I think. Guinea pig? I don't uh, know. Who cares? <laughs> Look it on YouTube. Google it. Uh, players cannot vote for themselves. You must use the black chip to vote if you presented the real answer off the malarkey card. Occasionally, when it's your turn to give a bluff answer, you may feel certain that you know the correct answer to the imponderable question and that no one has yet presented it. If so, you can present your answer and then later vote with an empty hand. But an incorrect answer while voting with an empty hand will cost you two points. If you were holding the real answer, but were forced into a malarkey, you vote with a colored chip of the player who presented the correct answer before your turn came. This means that no one will be holding a black chip when the votes are revealed. Everyone will realize that someone bluffed the real answer and that a forced malarkey has occurred. Only then may you reveal who presented the real answer. All right, and that's about it. That's the basics of it. So here's the scoring. You get one point for every vote a player's answer receives, whether it's the real answer or a bluff answer. You get a point for a player that votes for the real answer. You'll get two points for a player who was forced into a malarkey for each vote he or she receives. Minus two points for a player who voted with an empty hand if his or her answer is wrong. No points are earned by voting with a black chip or an empty hand. A player must hope to collect votes by presenting his or her answer in a convincing manner. The winner is the player with the highest point total after an agreed-upon number of rounds. Toward the end of the game, a player may not receive any votes because he or she is so close to winning. This allows others to catch up, assuring a climactic finish almost every Whoa. game. Climax. <laughs> Sexy. If any players are tied at the end, one more imponderables is asked to determine the winner. Only the tied players compete. Each player rolls the die, and the highest number chooses whether to give or receive the imponderables question. <laughs> Dirty. We're 12. The giving player reads the question that corresponds with the highest number rolled and then looks to, at the correct answer on the back of the card. The player has a minute to present either the real answer or a bluff. The receiver must decide if the giver's answer is correct. If the receiver is right, that player wins. If wrong, the giving player wins. So here's a few strategies for the game. Make your answer stand out from the others by including weird facts, names, and places. When holding a concealing folder with a bluff card, don't stare off into space thinking of an answer. You should pretend to be reading and putting the answer into your own words. If you're holding the real answer, there's no need to memorize the card verbatim. Put it in your own words, but make the answer as accurate as possible. It's also a good idea to have a bluff ready in case you are forced into a malarkey while holding the real answer. I think I understand this. Yeah. How about you, Meredith? I, I think I got it. This seems similar to, what is it, Balderdash? Yeah. yeah. Where you have to make up definitions for words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a little different. It's a twist on it. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Do it. Let's kick this pig. Put here, I'll set the score sheet up. 
Thanks for spelling my name wrong. <laughs> God. How many times do people spell your name wrong when you go to like Starbucks or order takeout? It's become kind of a recurring theme. Like no one can get my name right. So yesterday you ordered some Chinese food and what did it come out as? <laughs> I think it's Kuras, C-U-R-U-S, and a lowercase c. What's the most bizarre configuration? Brutus. Brutus? <laughs> yes. I got Brutus one time. I've gotten Chris, Bruce... I've gotten some chicken scratch written on a Starbucks cup. I couldn't even tell what it said. So I have such a common name that when people... I, I'm afraid to use my name because there's typically other Brian's there. Mm -hmm. And this has happened. Like, I, There's a sandwich shop here called Saks. And they write your order on the sack that they're going to give it to you. And they gave my sandwich away to some other Brian. <laughs> so then I started using a fake name yeah. that I figured nobody else in the restaurant would ever have. Galahad. <laughs> Yeah. And they look at me like I'm bizarre when I give that to them. But I'm like, that's what it is. And then I hand them my credit card that says Brian. This is Brian. Yeah, my friend Christian got tired of people getting his name wrong. So every time he orders Starbucks, he just says his name is Bob because it's hard to screw up Bob. It's true. Yeah. What about you, Meredith? Do people mess up your name? Yes, quite a bit. Uh, it's not bad, though. It's usually Mary Beth. That's a very <laughs> common one. And I think a lot of people struggle with the TH in general, the th th sound. <laughs> Um, or so, they do M-E-R-I-D-E-T-H. And it's yeah. like, well, whatever. It's like, I'll respond. And Meredith also has a nickname that I don't think I we've do. ever said on here. I think we have. What is your nickname? My nickname is Miffy. And why? Because when I was little, my brother, who is two years older than me, couldn't pronounce my name. My full name is Meredith Lee. And it came out Miffy. And it just stuck. Yeah. And then, like, when I was, like, five or six, it turns out there was this Japanese cartoon bunny called Miffy. So now I have tons of Miffy bunny type things. Japanese Miffy bunnies everywhere. Weird. All right. I've been shuffling these. Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been <laughs> shuffling. <laughs> delaying this a little bit. Yes. Okay. So I'm just randomly handing these out. I have no idea. So we're so, going to look now. Oh, wait. We didn't. Oh, roll. And we got to see. We're going to. Oh, wait. Then. Oh, weren't you supposed to? Yeah. We're doing this wrong. We need to roll, and then you need to read the question, and then... I'm going to reach out. <laughs> just a little... Thing. We just read the rules. I know. We, what, how often do we remember the rules after we do it? Never. Never. Like, what did we do again here? Okay. So we're going to be looking at question two. Question number two. Let me shuffle these even further. Why are you shuffling them, though? We don't... You got to read the... You got to read the question first. God damn it. <laughs> I really want to go. No. We are quite off today. Yeah, I've worked 58 hours already this week. So yeah, a... It always stinks when somebody has a worse week than you. Because then when you want to complain, you're like, oh, my week sucked. And they're like, oh, yeah, I just worked 900 hours. You're like, shit. <laughs> you win. Yeah, fine. All right. <clears throat> Here's the question. Why do packing peanuts come in such strange shapes? So now I'll shuffle these while you guys think of a possible bluff. Okay. All right. All right. So here we go. So who goes first? Is that the left? Oh, I don't, of you? I don't remember. Is it the person to the left? We'll just say the left. Okay. okay. So in 1926, when packing peanut machine was created, they didn't see a need for a peanut mold. So the machine just squirts it out in random and it comes out in weird shapes. Huh. Packing peanuts, the shape that they are in, provide the most maximum density with the least amount of peanuts in them. Okay. I think the, the reason this is because the company that first invented packing peanuts patented the design so now we vote it's very dramatic ready dun 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 <laughs> so uh, i get a point no one said curtis had the right answer 
No one says the word patent without it being. That's my theory. <laughs> what are you talking about? You had the answer. I know. You wouldn't have just made up the word patent. I don't. Yes, I, I would have. I don't believe. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> well, see, so, I thought the same thing with your answer as like density. <laughs> like, there's no way to make up density. All right. So Curtis gets a point. Yeah. I get a point. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, because you voted for the right answer. Rude. Oh, sorry. So that puts us at Curtis one, Brian one, Meredith zero. Oh. <laughs> Okay. How can perpetual care be assured in cemeteries after they run out of space for new plots? We ready? We are. All right. So after uh, a body has been buried for 100 years, uh, they're spaced out like so many feet between each other. Mm -hmm. And so after that time, after 100 years, you you are legally okay to remove the headstone and then put in a plot in between two. So like dividing the space in half? Right. Okay. That's my answer. Good job, Brian. Whose turn is yours? Mine? Okay. Um, the reason they're able to do that is because part of the, um, when you buy a plot at the cemetery, um, part of that ensures that the money will go towards taking care of the, um, of future plots. Okay. Um, <laughs> we all sound so scared. I know. This- <laughs> um, it's because, uh, <laughs> this one was really fun. Um, what if you don't have an answer? I don't. My answer was very similar to yours, and I couldn't come up with a second one. Then you had to come up with a malarkey. I know, but what if I can come up with something fast? You know, because I really cannot come up with something <laughs> that doesn't follow something similar to yours. <laughs> Do you want to try another question? Or is she bluffing us right oh, now? Oh, I don't know. Are you playing? Very victory? clever, Meredith. <laughs> very clever. Well played. Fine. Can I just? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Mm. What is your answer? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's vote. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. I'm sorry. I don't know what they do. They, they build houses over the cemeteries and the houses become possessed and <laughs> things start moving around. And I like that answer. <laughs> it becomes a prime real estate. <laughs> this game's hard. It is hard. It's too early in the morning for my brain to be working like this. All right. Ready? Ready? One, two, three. I had the real answer. Really? Really? That's very surprising. <laughs> Question two. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Why is the moon sometimes visible during the day? All right. Um, it's because it's the um, when you see the moon out during the day, it's because uh, it's actually a reflection of the moon off of the sun. The, um, the, the light from the moon or like the, our perception color spectrums as it passes through the atmosphere are better on certain days due to climate and spectrum waves that are out there. And when they're able to pass through, we can see the moon. When we can see the moon during the day, it's because it is reflecting off of the polar ice caps and onto the moon. Polar ice caps. Polar ice caps. <laughs> right. So someday, because of global warming, we may never see the moon during we the day We may never again. see the moon. That's sad. That would be. Sorry, right. Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So vote for what you think is right. <laughs> Ready? Dun dun dun! Yay! Meredith finally gets a point. I don't know how I keep getting the real answer. I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> it's the third time in a row, and it, it was hard for me to like to translate this answer, which was when we see the moon, we were really seeing the sun reflecting off its surface. When the sun and moon are located in the same direction in the sky, the moon is visible during the day. Did we all know the real answer though? Like I was science? actually, I was going to say that if yeah. I, if I hadn't gotten that, I was thinking well, it's probably just a reflection of the, of the moon off the sun or vice versa. Yeah. So. Why do so many cough medications contain alcohol? 
Um, I believe that in the creation of cough medicines, when you're mixing things together at certain levels, things don't mix well. And if you use alcohol, it makes medications mix better. Okay. Alcohol is a natural antiseptic, which kills germs. All right. I think the uh, answer is because the actual medicine, if just on its own, would taste so horrible that they need something to cut the flavor of it. And then alcohol was the only thing that could do that they could find. Ready? Dun, dun, dun. Man. <laughs> I suck at this game. <laughs> Meredith had the correct answer I and did. we all voted for it. And even with bluffing, with trying to reword the, the answer, I yeah. make it sound poor. I make it sound worse because it was like too long. You it still was, get a point. Yeah. Yeah, a, that's like a gimme point. Yeah. Well, it's a point. Because I got it just by receiving Don't the correct answer. Don't a point in the mouth. Totally. It's very wise. So, if that answer is correct, and medication mixes better with alcohol than with water, when you take medication in pill form, should you do it with booze? Oh, sometimes I do. <laughs> yeah, we call that Friday night. <laughs> Why are the ceilings of train stations so high? I think the train station ceilings are so high because of all of the smoke that comes from the engine. Um, would sometimes seep into the station where people were waiting and it was like it would do damage to you. <laughs> and so the high ceiling allows for that, that smoke to rise and clear out without hurting. I think that train station ceilings are so high because in especially smaller towns, the train station was an important building structure. And so they'd build it higher so that it was more noticeable from far distances. Oh. I say that train stations were built so high because back when trains were first being built, they were double-decker trains, one on top of the other. Do last fall. Very good answers. Well played, everyone. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> what does this mean? Oh, oh, I bluffed. I'm sorry. I meant to do this one. Wait, no. <laughs> no one of you had the real answer. I had the real answer, but you gave the best description of it. Oh, I was it's right. Because, it's because smoke and steam to keep it away from the passengers. So that means what? I didn't know what to. Be, I, I forgot what to. If I was supposed to do none or vote. You for. were forced into a malarkey, right? Yeah. Because I had a, the actual answer. Right. All right. So what did it say? Wow. So you were. You didn't even realize you were right. Oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Just... What the answer says is the stations were built in the days of steam engines. High ceilings vented smoke and steam up to the ceiling, away from the passengers. Wow. Okay. So Curtis is smart and he doesn't even know it. Sarah, <laughs> and mine was obviously thought of on the, like in a few seconds because have you ever seen trains? A trains? <laughs> That's a that was a good one though. In I, jolly old England. Yes. Welcome to England. <laughs> Not even in Harry Potter do they have double decker trains. <laughs> well, and for them to get onto the train, like what are are they getting on the train from the roof? <laughs> <laughs> like what does it have to do with the ceiling? Okay, I <laughs> So I get two points. Do I get two points or minus two points? No, you get two points because you had to, to bluff. Well, I think this, is, this is not. <laughs> this is. So Brian and I each received two points that round, and Meredith, I'm sorry. You know what? I wait, think, wait, wait, you know what? This is a bunch of malarkey. Wait, did That's you show? That's all I'm going to say. Did you show orange? You did. I did. Oh, so she gets a point. She voted for. Wait. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't. I had the real answer, but she. I didn't know it. I'm confused. <laughs> ah, screw it. All right, we'll give her a point because oh, she voted thanks, for me. Thanks, Curtis. No, because you voted for me, and it was and the it was right answer. Just, Telling you. Oh wait, now it's Curtis's. No, is it my turn? No, it's Curtis's. It's my turn. It's my turn. I'm just gonna drop all my chips here. Wait, did we skip Meredith? Did you? Did we skip me? 
I think we did. I think Meredith did. All right, so you guys skip me, and you don't give me any points. <laughs> oh, and yeah, okay. Well, Sorry. Let's, let's have Meredith have a t- yeah, Meredith have a turn. Let's, yeah, let's let Meredith have a turn. That's a great idea. Thanks, Curtis. When are you going to come back next, Meredith? <laughs> when we play quarters. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Why doesn't aluminum foil feel hot? When it comes out of a roaring oven. It is because um, aluminum is a transference of heat. So when you take it out, it's a fatter. Um, it's because of the color of aluminum foil. It reflects the heat. Um, actually, aluminum <laughs> as a material, um, it takes way too much to heat it up. And any fires or ovens or any of those heat producing products can't get it to that temperature where it actually absorbs the heat. Very dramatic again. Ready? Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So we all get a point. Yay. Yay. What did you say? What was the answer? I don't remember. (laughs) Aluminum transfers heat very well. When the foil is removed from the oven, the heat is quickly passed to the outside air. That's, yeah. I was going to say it because it's so thin, you know, that makes sense. So I had to come up with something stupid silver color. (laughs) It just bounces the heat off the silver. No, that's fine. (laughs) So the score is Curtis and Brian both have seven. Meredith has four. It's a tie. We need to to consult the tie-breaking rules. Not yet. We're playing one more round. Three rounds. Oh, three rounds? I thought we were doing two. No, we're doing three. Damn it. I really thought this game, when you told me we would be playing Malarkey, would have some Irish-type thing to go along with it. But it really doesn't. Irish-sounding word. Like some Guinness. Yeah. (laughs) We shall talk with Irish accents. Let's hear your best Irish accent, Brian. I can barely do my own voice right now, so that's okay. (laughs) Many liquor distilleries went belly up during Prohibition. How did the lucky ones manage to survive? Booze question, Meredith. I'm all over it. She's already got her answer. She knows the real answer. (laughs) She's got that and a backup and a backup and a backup. (laughs) Okay, so I go first, correct? Yes. You go first. um, For many of those companies to stay in business, they started to um, produce, they continued to produce alcohol, but then sell it to other places such as cough medicine, um, like hairsprays, anything that additionally that used alcohol, including hospitals that used it for um, sterilizing items. Alcohol swabs. Um, It was through the prominent occurrence of speakies. Okay. Uh, They were able to quickly switch what they manufactured to items that were non-alcohol related. Such as sodas. <laughs> mm, soda. Are we all ready to vote? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Ready? Okay. You actually got it right. Whoa! <laughs> yes! <laughs> but I didn't vote for myself! <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I did that right, I think. I just show an empty hand. Right? I think so. Yeah. So you, Meredith got the correct answer, even though she didn't have the correct answer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And actually, your answer was what I was going to say. <laughs> Me too. After we had that other question. <laughs> So how do we do the scoring then? All right. Like nobody? Or well, you get a point? I didn't vote for myself. That's not... <sighs> the, it's I should have voted for myself. It's a uh, booze if question. You were, let's see. You can't vote for yourself. If you're holding a bluff card but are positive that you know the answer, you can vote with an... Oh, you should have voted with an empty hand. But only yeah. if you thought it was right. Weird. These, the, uh, the scoring is a little weird. I think I should get five points. <laughs> <laughs> One point for every vote their answer receives. I should have voted. Well, I couldn't have voted for her because she had the the real answer, and I knew it because I had. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say the voting method of this, the scorekeeping method of this, is making this from being fun. Yeah, because it's a lot of things to keep track of. Yeah. So let's not keep scoring anymore. 
<laughs> oh, okay, so it says two points for every vote their answer receives if they hold a bluff card, but presented the real answer. So you get two points. Yeah. Yes! My big comeback. And then I get nothing because I voted for yours, which yeah. was wrong. Right. And, and I, so I get a point. You get a point and yeah. I get nothing. Okay. You get nothing, Brian. Nothing. It's Meredith's turn. We won't skip oh, you I this was... time. We won't skip you. <laughs> Why is the left wing liberal and the right wing conservative? All right, so when birds fly, they use their right wing to make sharp turns in a more conservative fashion, and their left wing are more prominent when they're making... Uh, the left is liberal because on, in birds, the um, heart is closer to the left side, so that, you know, the heart is like, think with your heart, and it's very carefree, and liberal is the left, so the further from your heart, the more conservative you are, and that's my answer. <laughs> Um, well, actually, when legislation was first developed, they didn't want to mix all the different thoughts together, so they'd separate them, and they'd put conservative parties to the right and the liberals to the left, so they'd be sitting separate. So you had the right answer. And I voted for your bullshit. Yeah, it was really good. That, that was, was good. I was one. proud of myself for that one. <laughs> Mixing in some aviation. <laughs> All right, so what does that mean? That means I get... You get a point. Meredith gets a point because she had the right one. She had the real answer. Right. But who did you vote for? I just had the black Oh, right, right, right. So I couldn't vote. And Curtis gets nothing. And I got nothing. Why are the Muppets left-handed? The Muppets are left-handed because the uh, person who operates the Muppet um, has to operate the body part or the mouth with the right hand, which only leaves the left hand free to operate the Muppet's actual hand, and that's the left one. When the Muppets were in early development, the the stick to move that hand was added and the right hand was forgotten um, in the early stages, and but then they kept it that way even after the right stick was incorporated. Uh, um, actually... <laughs> It's because Jim Henson was left-handed, but always wanted to be right-handed. One, two, three. (laughs) What did you do? I I had the right answer, but you gave it. Oh, I gave the right answer? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, okay. So I had the malarkey. You had to make something up. I did have, I actually wanted to say something similar, but then you took it. And so I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of obvious. Yeah, it's obvious. Like, you know, like well, I'm yeah. glad I got to go first. <laughs> they're, they're fisting the Muppet with the right hand, you know? Oh, Muppet fisting. That's a topic <laughs> I didn't think we'd be discussing today. <laughs> so the final score is Curtis 16, Meredith 9, Brian 10. Those may be off. A little bit. But we'll just say that <laughs> Margin Meredith <error>. won. <laughs> Yay! Hey! <laughs> Because the guest wins. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, sadly, I probably won't be too boisterous about winning at Malarkey because it's kind of... It's confusing. It's, it's it, There's too much involved. I think they could have simplified the game a lot. Yeah. And it's kind of complex with the folders and the questions <laughs> and the chips and the voting and the points. And yeah, it Balderdash just seemed like it was much easier. It's much more streamlined. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a lot going on here. I mean, the game sounded fun when I bought it and it was so cheap. And I think I can yeah. see why it was so cheap because it weren't selling. Maybe <laughs> if they had like those games that have the board where I, th- I think Balderdash has this um, with the board with the little, you know, you move the tokens ahead. Yeah. yeah. That way you're not actually keeping score, but you can just visually see where you are on the board. Yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of. I can see how this could be fun, and I can see how probably the books are popular because yeah. you know you're reading these you know odd trivia things, and you're like, oh, that makes sense, or oh, that's crazy, or I never thought to ask why this is the way it is. Yeah, like packing peanuts. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Left-handed Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> well, and with I, I agree that the answers, questions and answers were very interesting, but if I were playing with a large group, taking it back to the cemetery question, I can't see how a big group of people would be able to come up with enough believable yeah. bluffs. Right. Right. So. So would you play this at a party? I doubt it. Because yeah. my, my, my thought on game nights and stuff, especially if you have a lot of people, is you need games that are easy to understand, easy to comprehend and this had like a lot of mm-hmm. rules to go through and just a lot of emotions to them and we were playing with the bare minimum of three people and it was confusing yeah so with more people i can see how it would make everyone hate each other so <laughs> yeah so past products if you're listening straighten this stuff out okay just a reminder that we do have a contest going on right now meredith did you know we have a contest i didn't what is this contest well it is to write and perform lyrics <gasps> to our theme song Meredith is a little obsessed with our theme song. You want to tell the story about about our theme song and what bothered you so much? Yes, because the first time I heard it, I was like, I have heard this song. I know this song. And I know this song has words. And it was driving me crazy. And I finally got to the like, so desperate. Like you, you remembered the video you saw. Yes, I saw the video. Because it had certain things that were very memorable in it. Yeah, there was like this girl. And at the end of the video, her, her toothbrush was brushing her teeth like magically. And then she crawled in bed and the covers came up over her without her, like, again, magically. And I was like, okay, I got to find this. I got to find this song. So I finally got so desperate. I went on to like Yahoo questions. <laughs> <laughs> and I posted it. I built an account and I posted it, begging people to help me find this song in the video. How long did it take somebody to answer it, it correctly? Was, it was about two weeks. Yeah? Yeah, but they, they got and it. do you remember the name? I, I remember the name of the song is The Show. Yes. Um, but I don't remember the name of the singer. It has an L on it or something. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Do it. But, it's, a, it's a cute song and it's a cute video and she's cute. Right. So, However, that is not our theme song, even though it does sound quite similar. I was going to ask, so, that, so does our theme song already It have does lyrics. sound a little similar to that. Okay. But that's not our song. We don't have the, we don't have lyrics for our theme song. Mm-hmm. So we want you to write and perform the lyrics to our theme song. And if you want to participate, you can find the theme song on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash gamenightguys or on gamenightguys.com. And be as creative as you want. You can sing it karaoke style with, you know, the song playing in the background. You can do acapella. If you're talented and play instruments, you can actually orchestrate the song yourself or whatever. Yeah, just incorporate it any way you want. Um, email us your entry, uh, your MP3, your YouTube or Vimeo video link, or sing it on our voicemail line. And you'll hear that number at the end of the show. Uh, we'll pick our favorites and play them on this show. Uh, and there will be prizes. We're still working out the prizes, I believe. But uh, so far, we have two prizes from Burt's Bees. That's right. We have two gift packs from Burt's Bees of awesome new prizes. Um, and I'm just going to say it. So far, week one, we haven't received any in- <laughs> any entries. What up with you people? I'm going to enter, and then I'm going to win by default. <laughs> exactly. We're going to have Burt's Bees for ourselves. Yeah. Now, come on. There's some people out there who are listening who are creative. Alden, are you listening? I know that you can sing. Why aren't you entering? <laughs> who else? What about um? Make up names. Rob or Sarah? <laughs> yeah, they're singers. Yeah, Rob, Sarah, what up? Y'all are creative. <laughs> Maybe they're waiting for their chance to do it as an interpretive dance. 
Yeah, we could bend the rules slightly, even though there's no lyrics involved with interpretive dance, if you want to do an interpretive dance. But we're going to start bugging some people soon yeah. if we don't get any entries. So watch out. Amy in New Zealand, do you sing any? <laughs> Come on, step it up. Yeah. If we get no entries, we're just going to quit doing the podcast. How right. We'll threaten you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will kill the podcast. You'll kill you the game night, guys. Podcast. Um, if you have any questions about the contest, feel free to email us at hello at gamenightguys.com. All the entries will be due on February 29th, 2012. You could be internet famous. You could. <laughs> famous among dozens. Think about it. Well, thanks for letting me be on the show today, guys. Well, thank you for coming, Meredith. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was nice to finally meet you. Yes. I've heard a lot about you. Do you want to pimp out like your Twitter and your Tumblr account or anything like that? No, no. <laughs> Do you have a computer? <laughs> what is that? That's it for this episode of Game Night, guys. Links, show notes, and photos of the games we play can be found on our website, GameNightGuys.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at GameNightGuys.com or leave us a voicemail at 480-648-GAME. That's 480-648-4263. Add us to your circles on Google+. Just search for Game Night Guys. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at Game Night Guys. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Cecil Jean. And I'm at Cheap Blue Guitar. Join us on Facebook and tell us about your game nights at facebook.com slash game night guys. Thanks for listening. As always, you are invited to our next game night. It's your move. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>